0: Imagine an executive. What do you picture in your mind? How does that person look, talk, or interact with people? If you're like most of us, some characteristics likely come to mind. These, and other characteristics, are part of something called executive presence. It's an important idea, but it's also one that can get people and leaders into trouble. In this episode, we discuss. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more
1: information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. Yeah, so what the heck is executive presence? (laughs) can I get it at Costco?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we can get this at Costco, but uh, we are going to talk about what executive presence is here today on the podcast. We're going to talk about what is the popular understanding of executive presence. We're going to talk about some research findings about executive presence and related concepts. And of course, we're going to talk about some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. So why don't we jump right into this first piece, which is what is the popular understanding of executive presence? You know, we have done, you know, as we do for all of our episodes, we do some research and, you know, looking around there on, on, on the old interwebs there. There's a lot, especially on the kind of the popular side of uh, of the business literature. There's a lot out there on executive presence. Um, you know, we came across a, kind of a cesspool of things.
1: Yeah. So if I, if I'm getting my executive presence at Costco, I don't,
0: the the good thing about that is
1: they don't sell it in small, quite exactly. I want it by the 20, 20 pound bag of Fiesta cheese for tacos. Right. That's right. I want a a five
0: gallon bucket of executive presence. Kirkland brand. (laughs) (laughs) But it's easy to understand like why someone would want this uh, this executive presence, right? It's a nice sounding idea. It comes, you know, people talk about it in terms of how you present yourself. And these are important things. You know, we've done episodes on first impressions, you know, how you want to act and behave in the world. Like These are choices that we make and these are important pieces of one's leadership journey. So it's easy to understand why you'd want this. Oftentimes, uh, people will talk about it in, in, with regards to high potential leaders. They may say, does this person have executive presence? And you know, they may assume that they have a shared understanding around what that means, but they probably don't. I've seen different items in, for example, 360 evaluations of leaders that have had some items around executive presence. Um, and so there's you know, kind of some popular reactions to this idea, right? Yeah, I think
1: a lot of stuff that drives this. Is this there's only so much of who you are right now, and then people like in a, coaching experiences and stuff we talked about am I up to the task? am I up to the job? I mean, this is why you can get stuff like people selling magnet braces uh bracelets to increase the score on their golf game there there's a whole host of um I rub fish oil on my elbow on Tuesdays to make my karma good or something um power poses. I'm about to go out and do a big public speaking event and I want to exude magic right at this moment. This is a level of magical thinking. And, and it's from where I am versus being concerned about what I'm able to do. Maybe life or circumstance might ask me to write a check that I can't cash. Right. Mm. And, and so it's ideas of you need to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I gained 30 pounds during covid and and now I'm going back into the office. I need to look like an executive or or um, I, maybe I'm coming up and I don't have money to buy the nicest suits that the other VPs have or something like that. Right. I mean, this is like high school stuff, but it still persists. Right.
0: Sure. How and you it's, talk. And it, yeah. Do, it, do I do I sound a certain way? Because I wasn't raised
1: in a family that went to the Ivy League or something.
0: Right. But it's not completely irrelevant. And we will talk about kind of why this matters. And there is, there's at least a little bit of scholarly research on this. Um, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with the idea that we expect certain things out of our leaders, that we expect certain types of behaviors. It can get us into trouble, though. And it certainly can vary from organization to organization. Some organizations have different expectations around what it means to be a leader and what types of behaviors leaders exude, and all of those types of items. Um, And this brings us to this idea of implicit leadership theories. So, we all, because of our experiences, our upbringings, our organizations that we've been members in, we have these preconceived notions about what effective leadership looks like. So, for example, maybe we think that being a leader, being an effective leader, is about being uh, decisive. It's about speaking loudly and with authority and standing up straight, looking like they know what they're doing. Right, these are very common types of preconceived notions. And again, these there's some reality, perhaps, that these are based upon. However, it could be completely off, right? Maybe you're in a circumstance where those types of behaviors are not what effective leadership is. And then you might be discounting someone who doesn't do those types of things, right? Yeah, you, you may not even know what a
1: real leader looks like. You may not have really seen one yeah, based on like the literature versus... so, And I like to think of this in the term, like, what, who's the ideal man, Ben? Is it, is it John Wayne <laughs> or Bill Gates? <laughs> probably, you know, not. right? Like, yeah. is it buffed, six packs abs Arrgh! probably not in the new economy of the future. We're sitting in a cubicle being being wicked smart might pay off a little bit more, mm-hmm. but which one might get more of the ladies? Well, I don't know. Those ladies may have, you know, all kinds of ideas. This is a thing when you ask somebody to give, you know, be more of a man. You've probably heard that a few times in your, Never. In your life. Never.
0: No, you, no, no one's you're ever such said a it. man. No one's ever said it to me. <laughs> you're
1: <laughs> such a but these ideas of we don't know what that looks like. And it's the same thing with leaders, mm-hmm. right? What's the ideal woman? You know, mm-hmm. the everybody has a different answer to this, and most of them are just kind of on what's preconceived in their mind, right? Versus what the literature says. Like right. so the popular ideas, right? We're talking need to look a certain way. How you talk. You know, how, can you work a room? Like, look at that person. They just have such charisma. Everybody's so happy to see them uh, taking charge. We're, you got to take this hill. You know, these ideas of, and, and some people want a more collaborative leader. Oh yeah, this leader, it's a real good leader. They really listen. The other people is, no, we need somebody that just takes charge, makes a decision and gets there. Well, how are they making decisions if they're not talking to people? You see, I mean, it's like you said, it's a cesspool. It's a primordial ooze of ideas that, you know, oh, man, we need well, some Well, I mean, help here's the here. thing.
0: Sometimes they might be spot on. Sometimes they might not. So you can roll the be, dice right. in Las Vegas and sometimes get the yeah. right number. <laughs> every clock every clock is, uh, even a broken clock is, is correct twice a day, right? So um, I, I think we have to dig deeper into this idea of executive presence because it is so... Freighted with different ideas around what it means to be an executive, what it means to be a leader, what that person looks and acts like. So we got to dig deeper into this. Um, it's not just a look. It's it's a little bit more than that. So let's move now and talk about some of these research findings around executive presence and some related concepts. And I'd first like to caveat this by saying that there's not a ton of research on this. Actually, uh, there is some, and there's a good article that we came across by Gavin Dagley and Kadern Gaskin in Consulting Psychology Journal. And this article was titled, Understanding Executive Presence, Perspectives of Business Professionals. And in this study, they interviewed it was a qualitative study. They interviewed 34 business professionals. They analyzed everything they said about executive presence and had a bunch of themes that emerged. And it is helpful because it, it starts to at least put some categories around what People think about when they think about executive presence. So let's talk through some of those. Yeah. So, one of the things is talking about how do you
1: even evaluate? How are people thinking about other executives, right? On this idea of executive presence. And they kind of had two, you know, food groups here. One is initial impressions. You know, somebody comes in the room and it's like, oh, you know wow that guy or gal is amazing right look at that that presence did you you, see it ben they sparkle when they walk you know
0: i think the the (laughs) penultimate example or the 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 ultimate example i should say of of that would be like a dictator like kim jong un right he walks in a room everybody claps and they, yeah, they're, they, they, they cry. And they're like please don't kill me <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> but, so i so don't the... think that's presence that's just fear
1: of death Ben. <laughs> it is yes exactly all so, right so uh, so you have the impressions one right, right? Yeah. and then we have the evaluation based one yeah. So, so and I call this the losing that shine over time. Right? <laughs> so somebody comes in and you're like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm on the team with this person." Mm-hmm. This person gets all the accolades. The CEO has been to their house for dinner. Oh my gosh. And then you start to see it's like, "Wait. This guy like wears white socks with his suit." Um, <laughs> I, which which is or fine. this
0: or this person has no intelligence and can't do their job, right? Yeah, this is Um, uh, all looks, no
1: substance. He's like, hey, could you do my work for me? I need to go over there and look good because what I'm
0: good at doing is looking good. Now, you mentioned this as losing that shine over time, but it could also be that you're getting some shine over time. If maybe you are um, a little bit under expectations in terms of some of these initial impressions that you give or that a leader, um, you know, gives, but over time, they're, you know, they come off as super competent. They're actually delivering on things. They interact with people on a, in a very productive way. And they actually do gain more, um, more perceptions of credibility and so forth, but let's run through these. So the, uh, the ones that are more formed through initial impressions, because I think these all are important. I don't think that if you aspire to be in a, a, a position of, um, of authority, a, a higher position in an organization, if you, you know, are willing to have that exposure as a leader in an organization, I do think you should think about these different items. Um, It's not going to hurt you to think about, for example, number one, your status and reputation, like through your career, you build a reputation. And when you go to another job, people are very curious about this person. They might kind of look into where this person come from, what did they do? oh, I knew this person from another job or I know somebody who knew this person and worked with them. And these types of things can either help you or hurt you as you start that initial job. What do you think about that? Yeah, so listen, first impressions matter. There's
1: tons of data on it. Now, the good thing is you can redeem yourself after first impressions, but it's way harder, right? So you should practice first impressions right? Mm -hmm. Because use this to your advantage. (laughs) That means getting out there more, volunteering, going and getting involved with a nonprofit or getting on the board of a nonprofit. I mean, first of all, Ben, we deal with nonprofits all the time. that are like, man, we can't get board members to show up Mm. because they have busy work life. So if you can get involved with a couple nonprofits, generally senior executives also sit on those boards and you can kind of, it can rub off on you. You can practice your Status and reputation building. You can practice, you know, how you talk to somebody initially. If you're doing public speaking, sitting on boards, getting out at
0: industry events, you know, you can strike out a bunch. Right. And get better. Right. Right. And, and so none of that's going to hurt you, especially if you learn from it as you go through it. So status and reputation is important. The next identified characteristic that came from this study, and this is again in that initial. Impressions category is physical appearance. So, you know, there there are certain things that we can change about how we present ourselves to the world. And there are certain things that we can't change about how we present ourselves to the world. But there's probably there are probably norms and expectations in your industry, in your organization that you can use to your advantage. Right. You know, it probably doesn't hurt to show up to that first those first times on the job in clothes that look decent on you. Right. That can't hurt you. Yeah. So, I mean, just work on do what you
1: can with what you got. And this resonates with me because I've never been that kind of, wow, look at Chris Everett over there. I want to look like that person one day. You know, I've had friends that, you know, they man, how are you always on trend somehow? They just are. I'm not gifted that I have to really work at that that side of my life. Thankfully, in the business environment we inhabit, Ben, dressing is not a challenge. You know, you got to have pants, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. But I want to say one more thing about the status and reputation piece I think super important. Define your values and who you are, because that Mm -hmm. is going to run ahead of you. People, we sit when they do executive recruitment. It's in the same industry. Hey, I don't know this guy. I'm going to call my friend Fred. He knows somebody that knows him. Right. We'll find out. And so it, if your brand is being a villain, you're just going to find the rest of your life hanging out with villains and ne'er-do-wells, right? Have that piece done. Physical appearance. Do what you can with what you got. You know, one thing I remember is uh, this guy, he had a really modest car. And we had to get in his car for lunch. Uh, and, but his car was immaculately clean on the inside. Everybody's like, man, this 80s Honda Accord is like awesome. I remember having a Honda Accord, but it shined, <laughs> even though you'd think, oh, my gosh, I'm embarrassed for these VPs to get in my $1,800 86 Honda Accord or whatever. <laughs> it was immaculately clean. And that guy shined that day. People commented it's like, man, his car is clean.
0: Yeah. Do what well, you can
1: with what you got, right?
0: And I think that's your subtle way of telling me that I need to really make sure that my Car you is got cleaned. kids. You get a pass. Anybody, yeah. Like how many kids
1: do you have? Okay, forget <laughs> it.
0: You but, only have two <laughs> melted crayons in your carpet. Wow. <laughs> so the next piece here is projected confidence, and this is an interesting one because you know, as a leader, you need to be humble enough to admit what you don't know, and to be continually seeking additional information that might prove your own preconceived notions about things wrong. Right, so this goes back to what Carl Weick used to say. He's an organizational theorist, and and he he had this this great quote. He said, "You as a leader, you should argue as if you're right, but listen as if you're wrong." And I think that's really important. Um, people want to follow someone who has some confidence, you know. So if you've gotten into a position of of authority in an organization, you're an executive now. Hey, you know, y- you probably got there for a reason. I hope, and you should. Be honest about what you know and say this is what I see. This is how I I tend to operate, and give people that confidence that hey, we're going to give this person a shot, right? This is again, again about those initial impressions. As you move forward, you have to continue to provide confirming evidence that you're um, that you're learning, that you're you have a sense of direction, that you are competent, um, but that projected confidence does matter, um, and it ties into the next one here, which is about communication ability. I I just you know. Speaking and writing these are very important skills, and the more that you can master these early in your career, uh the better you know go to toastmasters um, learn from people around you, whatever you've got to do to get better at communication because people really do uh pick up on this
1: yeah, and here's another way that projected confidence ties into communication ability things that you look, if somebody comes in a room like, hi, how you doing? How are you doing? I'm that person's not relaxed. And that guy could be super knowledgeable, right? And just excited. But that doesn't help them curate that perception of confidence. Um, if you are super nervous, what's cool about that is you don't have to say a whole lot. You. And you can appear really wise, right? There's a quote, you know, don't, if you don't say anything, you could be thought of wise unless you open your mouth and then everybody knows you're an idiot type thing, right. right? But one of those things is just saying, if you're confident in yourself, somebody said, hmm, I don't know, we'd probably need to go look at this. People are like, wow, that guy was okay with acknowledging that they don't know. Right. Those guys were chilled. Now, the communication ability, Ben, you and I have seen this in executives that present the boards. All the way to junior officers that are briefing the senior for the first time, right? They get up. You know, a senior person is like, they may only have one thing to say Hey, just finished the night watch. Everything's fine. We're green to green or whatever, right? Okay, next. Somebody else might say, like, Well, I checked this system and then I talked to Sergeant Clump and then I'm like, and then they're going on and on and on. They've just flushed their appearance of confidence by just oh, I need to say a lot during this meeting to look important.
0: Yeah, you know, it's this balance that you have to strike as a senior leader between being collaborative, being open to counsel, being democratic uh, and having some direction. You know, sometimes I've seen leaders who have gone too far in the extreme of saying, well, I'm just going to, you know, you guys tell me what you want me to do. (laughs) <laughs> right. And, it, it, yeah, and then that, they
1: go to the executive board and said, the CEO doesn't know anything. Exactly. He's always
0: asking us what to do. We've right. run into that. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to strike that balance because you do want their input. And yet at the same time, you, you need to say, here's the structure. Here's where we're headed. Uh, and so that's something you've got to figure out as a leader yourself. So hey, let me let me give an example there real
1: quick, Ben. So it's like, well, guys, tell me what you want to do now. What if you really do think it's important that the group decides so you can say listen for this decision we're going to take a facilitated approach and this is how we're going to go about making the decision as a collective i will validate the solution and then we'll move forward that's the exact same thing as hey guys
0: you tell me what to do it just doesn't sound like that mamby pamby kumbaya right right mm, right right and i think it's also important to maybe don't do that all the time Right, there are certain things that you do get their counsel on, and there are certain things that you don't. Uh, if you have a very clear mandate from from the board, from the CEO, or whatever about where you need to head, you know that's you can start driving towards that. Uh, but d- developing that structure is important. The last one in these initial impressions pieces is engagement skill. This is about how you relate with other people. Right? How you um, do you get to know people? Do you are you approachable yet confident at the same time? Those are things that you need to work on. And, you know, I think you build these over the course of your career, um, how you interact with people, how they, you know, form impressions of you. I think getting some honest feedback uh, is very important here. Um, and if it's through maybe a multi-rater assessment, some getting some, some 360 feedback on how people perceive you, that can be really powerful. So those are the, the first five. Yeah, go to networking events. We have a great episode on networking.
1: Go to networking events with a, you know, battle buddy. Get a guy or gal to come with you and say, hey, I'm going to be in this group of people. I want you to be nearby or in that same group. And then we can give each other feedback. It can be as easy as that. It doesn't have to be high tech. Tons of good articles on how to be engaging, but also the willingness to let somebody float into your circle and float out. Sometimes mm. somebody's super busy and not ready to be connected with at that moment.
0: Well, you know, let that trout swim. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the first five that came from this study. And those are, again, are the ones that come more from our initial impressions. But there are five more that are a little bit more long term. These are more evaluation based. So imagine someone new comes into your organization. You gain these first impressions about their status, their reputation, their appearance, their confidence, communication, and their engagement. But then over time, you start to watch and learn about this person. Are they actually delivering on things? What are their values? Those types of items. And these are also very important pieces of executive presence. So let's talk through those. And the first one is one that's near and dear to our hearts, Chris, which is interpersonal integrity. Are you actually doing what you say you'll do? Are you true to your own values as well?
1: Yeah. If you live with yourself well, meaning I am who I say I am, you know, some people, they say, oh, well, I have imposter syndrome, but they are an imposter. Well, no wonder you feel terrified when you walk out into the world. It's got to be frightening because you're just going to be a chameleon amoeba wherever you go. You don't know how you're going to have to be that day. But if you take the kind of being the person you want to be serious you know, the earlier, the better. If you have it to the state, it's never too late, right? Start being that person. All of a sudden, those things, it's like having good gas in your engine. You know, an engine will run rough if you put, you know, watered down gas or whatever, all kinds of rattles and all kinds of different things. And you can hear that and mean, like, man, that engine's running rough. When you meet somebody that lacks that interpersonal integrity, Unless there's some kind of rank psychopath narcissist, you know, because there are those. But unless there's some kind of psychopath, you're going to be able to pick up that, hey, their engines running a little rough in the way that they talk and then the way they they carry themselves. It's just going to leak out. You can't fake this stuff. And the amount of hours we got to work together these days, you know, sometimes 10 hours, days, long weeks, all that kind of stuff. You can't keep the fact that you're running on bad gas, hidden. So ha- go at, do yourself the favor, the easy way. You don't have to have that psychological burden and weight of having to, oh my gosh, how am I presenting myself to my colleagues? What if they find out? Just be a person of integrity. And guess what? Your peers, your bosses, the people that report to you, will
0: cons- they'll catch you, mm-hmm. but they'll catch you doing the right thing. Right. And, and this goes to the point of, you know, you want to be someone who is worthy of trust. You want to be someone who uh, people can count on as being reliable. If you say you're going to do something, do it. <laughs> if you do, Or if you change your mind, tell people why. Right. You want to be someone that people can count on. And that really matters with this idea of executive presence, because otherwise, no matter how good you look or how you communicate, people are going to realize that, you know, there's not a whole lot of there there. Uh, The next one is values in action, which is really important, too, because, you know, you and I come across executives fairly frequently who it just doesn't seem like they have it figured out, like how they want to be in the world and what really are their non-negotiables as an executive. Um, But good executives, those that have strong executive presence, have non-negotiables like these are the things that I care about. These are the thing. This is how I want to be and how we're going to operate together. And they they actually act on them. That's very important.
1: Yes. So the, and those values will lay over on top of any of the values that an org has. And it, when you have them, people are like, I like being on this person's team. Right. They I like it's awesome. Like, it feels really good. When you are have a leader with values, you feel like you're really running with somebody. For sure. Um, now, ne- the next one, Ben, is intellect and expertise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so every, everything's it, executive
1: presence. You just can't presence your way out of being the numbskull about what you should know. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, And some a- orgs have it because they don't have good evaluation systems for their executives. So,
0: so they do have some... jack wagons in positions that shouldn't be there. And, you know, just from a personal development standpoint, the way I think about this is I think about where I might be in my career uh, in, you know, a few years. And I start trying to think about, well, what, if I were put in that position now, would I be ready? Maybe, maybe not, right? But what kinds of things do I need to be doing and learning to prepare myself for that moment? So should it come, I'm ready in terms of the stuff I know, and how I can operate, right? Maybe I need to have a, a kind of disciplined approach towards learning certain things. Maybe I need to work on a special project that helps give me a little bit more visibility into a certain area of the organization. Maybe I need to work with some other people to learn from them and have a good mentor. Those types of things, I'm thinking, thinking not just you know <laughs> weeks and months in advance, but thinking years in advance, I think can be, really be helpful so that you don't end up in that position where, You're put into a position of authority. You're an executive now and you're and you maybe, as you mentioned earlier, you actually are the imposter. You don't want that. You want to have some confidence going in. Now, every new position, you're probably going to feel a little uncomfortable for a while until you get your feet. That's totally fine. It's okay. Everybody goes through that for the most part. But uh, having the intellect and expertise to get through it can be very helpful. And there's a lot you can do to build that. It's going to make you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. If you're like, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I don't know how to dress
1: so good and I'm a little bit not so attractive, but I know my stuff cold. Right. And so you default to that. That's good. But here's something we do know from the literature is that guys will take a bat at something that's a little bit above them. <laughs> and gals tend to wait till they're overprepared for the role. Right. I want to encourage gals, get up there and take a bat. And if you're a guy, there's a lot of risk in taking a role You're not ready for, and if you flame out in your first say director role, you may not get another executive bat again. So you should be careful. But for gals, the same advice applies. Hey, this I think I could do a good job in this role, and here's why. Here's the things I'm going to do to mitigate the stuff I don't know right now. So that that shows that you're smart about it, right? But that doesn't mean I want to say go for it. But just be honest with the people that are interviewing about. Hey, this is what I. Why I can do this job well, and this is my plan to mitigate the things that I need to learn in the near term. Yeah,
0: that's great. You know, a next the next one here is outcome delivery ability. So you actually have to be able to deliver on the things that you say you're going to do that and get results. Um, if you don't get results, that that certainly will be a uh, a factor in your potential derailment from your job. So you know, this one will cover a multitude of yeah, sins. And matter of will, fact. Ben, you've known me for
1: a long time. I probably struggle on most of these, except the expertise and outcome delivery. Right. And they'll be like, well, you know, he does get his pants from Costco. But at the end of the day, the
0: project was done under time and under budget, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and just to clarify, you can buy pants at Costco, but you probably can't get executive presence at Costco. Um so the last, <laughs> the last one here is coercive power use. So how do you use, how do you dole out punishment when it's necessary? Uh, this is going to, you know, people are going to form impressions about your ability to be fair, your ability to, you know, have some sense of justice in the organization to adhere to process and procedure, whether or not you are a rash person um, making decisions too quickly. So be careful with your use of coercive power, which again is all about the the use of punishments, you know, giving someone a bad performance review or
1: putting someone through. It's also playing dirty
0: politics. Hey, I'll get, I'll get you fired for this buddy.
1: Uh, But that being said, you can be a little bit, I've had to lean on other functions that don't report to me a little obtusely at times during deadlines for projects to get something to the finish line. Now, if, People are going to view this in two ways. Is this person doing it for the good of the team and the organization? Right. Right. Or are they doing it to, oh, I, you know, found out, I dug up dirt on this person on social media and then tried to get the position of promotion over them or right There's this whole gray area and how you use your authority as an executive, especially as you start moving up. That's not laid out. And how you play in that gray space, how you paint between the lines is gonna be part of that reputation and brand that you have.
0: You gotta make sure it's gonna be a good one. Right, and these are decisions that you need to do some soul searching about for yourself. Uh, at, At a certain level, it's not about, oh, I'm just gonna look around and see how everybody else is acting and act like them, because that may or may not be appropriate for you. It may not be, you know, it might be a style that's just outside of how you feel comfortable, um, it could be wrong. It could be not what the organization needs. Uh, you've, you've got to figure this out for yourself. So let's talk briefly now, just some other things from this research paper. And again, we, you know, we put a, a link to this in the show notes, but um, they come up with these four different types of, of executive presidents. They have the positive presence and unexpected presence, unsustainable presence and dark presence. And we'll just talk very briefly through these before we get into some implications for folks. Yeah, this uh, is like a video game right? Where you got to
1: pick your character, <laughs> you know, like you can never have the wickedly smart and massively strong character. The game makes you make choices. Well, so if you take these 10 items, the the five initial impressions and the five evaluation presents, you, they tend to meet up in these four food groups. Now you can have a whole bunch of different combinations. Sure. But you know, things tend to, yeah. you know, the idea of the, warrior, monk, polymath, they exist, you know, Mm -hmm. old Mattis over there is probably one, right? General Mattis, yeah. But there's not a whole lot of them, right? Right. So they tend to
0: come around these modes that'll happen. So, yeah. And so this came from the research. They, you know, they asked the participants about, you know, how they saw positive executive presence and what they emphasize out of those different characteristics that we just talked through. And so when they were talking about, you know, a positive executive presence, they emphasize a few different things. The projected confidence piece, the communication ability, uh, the physical appearance, right, that did come up, uh, engagement skills, values in action, and intellect and expertise as those central characteristics. So if you want to have a positive presence, you know, uh, these are some things to think about. Now, I will caution you and say this is just one study. This is a qualitative study of 34 participants. It's not some, you know, gigantic overview of the entire uh you know well there's not you can have a gigantic overview there's just not a whole lot in this but these can give you some lenses
1: to think about these items
0: yeah and so you i mean you're you're not going to hurt yourself by you know bolstering your abilities in those different areas so keep those in mind that's positive presence um then there's the unexpected presence and these are ones that you know are impression-based characteristics they tend to be unfavorably perceived and then you have the so you have this kind of not so great initial impression you know so maybe your projected confidence is kind of low and so forth but the evaluation based characteristics are more favorable so it's like hey i don't know about this person that's the, that's the first impression and then over time they're like whoa this person has a ton of expertise and and, and intellect and they they really do act the way that they believe right they have the strong values in action so that's the unexpected presence we'll get um, not this na- in the
1: army where yeah. they'll
0: say, you know, you reach out, what do you think about this guy?
1: Listen, he comes off a little weird, but dude's really good. Right. And and, and now, now, because you've built up your reputation, that reputation's going and helping fix some of those executive presence items that you maybe don't have dialed in
0: yet. Right, right. So that's the unexpected presence. And, you know, I think... I guess is getting a little bit into, into the implications piece but I think one implication here for people is you know you want to give people new leaders a chance don't be unleadable don't be a bad follower by just writing somebody off because they don't have the great first impressions right give them some time look at their what they actually do okay So the next one is unsustainable presence. This is where they have, you know, favorable perceptions of impression-based characteristics, those first impressions, um, but there's some unfavorable perceptions of their evaluation-based characteristics. So, you know, at first it's like, wow, this person's awesome. They look the part, they talk the part, but they're not really delivering right? They don't have the chops to do this. and Dude you know, can't even manage his email and get to a meeting <laughs> on time. Right. And so you don't want to be in that category. I, I sometimes come across people who I think, you know, focus too much just on the the image piece without building the firm foundation. I would say build that firm foundation and then, you know, think about how you might Uh, increase your, the favorability of your perceptions through those other characteristics. Yeah. So let's do the last one, the dark presence.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So this is,
0: (laughs) this is when you, you know, this is where you don't want to go. So people um, are perceiving you unfavorably in terms of your interpersonal integrity. They also, you know, don't see you as someone who puts your values into action. Uh, You have poor engagement skills and most notably, you, know, you use your coercive power in a negative way, um, that you are, are using other people, that you're not fair. Those types of, of items are not going to be helpful with your executive presence. And in a good organization, <laughs> if you start doing this, these types of things, you will derail. You will not be uh, continuing in your pr- position. Uh, this is probably you know, the end of the, uh, the hierarchical ladder for you, so to speak, in that organization. Yeah. And if you're a follower
1: that you look around and all the execs are playing this evil dark elf game of stab and coerce and all that, kind, you should look for the gates and get out that door if you can. Mm-hmm. Right. Get get out of there because they're allowing that culture to persist, you know, and uh, yeah, just hate it.
0: Yeah, so we've talked about some of these different positive and negative aspects of executive presence, some different characteristics to consider when you are thinking about your own executive presence. Let's move now to talk about more directly some implications for people, for leaders, for organizations. Uh, let's start with the people piece. What do you think here, Chris? Just for. yeah, So when I deal with more junior talent generally, but this comes across
1: in a lot of people, um, hey, I should just be able to be. But if we have our thinking caps on, you know, you can't walk in into work dressed, however, mm-hmm. you can't talk, however, you know, if you've got a potty mouth, that may not fly in a lot of orgs, right? And mm-hmm. so you need to take a cue from the norms because as individuals, we are shaped by the people that are around us and they're going to have some things that we call them norms that are there. And some of them might be really dumb, right? Right. Some of them could be really awesome, but you only have so much individual capital you can use to shape those norms at a given time until you've built up your presence, built up your reputation, right? And then you can shape more and more. You become a trusted quantity. And so I would the first thing I would recommend to people is those norms are gonna shape what you're, if you have executive presence or not, You should pay attention to them and be very, very careful the sword you want to die on.
0: (laughs) Right. So you want to notice what's going on in the culture of your organization. Realize that different cultures are different in different organizations. What's acceptable, what kind of good leadership looks like in one organization might be slightly different than what it looks like in another organization. And you want to adapt smartly. Um, Be mindful of what's going on around you. What do the executives that you see and admire and that are doing well and that are held in high regard by the organization, how do they act? You know, do, what kinds of cues could you take from those types of people, uh, both in terms of these initial impressions types of things and also these evaluation based characteristics? Uh, you know, one thing we talked about when we were prepping for this episode was, you know, if you want to be that person who's very different from the crowd, this could be an awesome play for your success or it could potentially be rather risky. So especially, you know, I guess you want to tread carefully there, right?
1: Yeah, I call this be avant-garde at your own risk. The you know, <laughs> iconoclast cut through. But for it's the lemming effect. For every iconoclast that gets through, there's a million dead lemmings that didn't that were just like them, right? So be careful. But that doesn't mean you can't take risks and push the organization right. somewhere. That just means the norms for introducing change are maybe a little bit slower, maybe a little bit more guarded by more gatekeepers. Pay attention to those things, and as you learn to work that system as an individual, your velocity and size of impact can get a lot bigger.
0: Right? You know, if there organizations are kind of like um, kind of like a, a, an organism, right? That tends to reject a mismatched organ. Right. You know, if, if you have a, a kidney that coming from a person of the wrong blood type or whatever, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not that kind of doctor. But anyway, um, and it's, it's the wrong type, your body will naturally reject it. Well, similar things happen in organizations. Uh, and so you want to be mindful of that. And it doesn't mean just go be a chameleon wherever. Uh, and in fact, sometimes organizations are looking for someone to shake things up. They're looking for someone who is thinking differently, especially if you're an outsider coming into an organization. Uh, but you you want to be careful, right? If they're looking for that and that's why you're hired, that is your mandate is to be different. OK, right. It's just rare. So you want to be mindful of the, the cultural landscape that you're walking into.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think about this as a career narrative, right? Yeah. How do you want to do this? So first, you want to be competent. Like, really confident. So, you got to develop those strong technical skills and knowledge
0: depth. And first. and get competent in, in different types of skills and areas of knowledge that other people want that they can use, right? That, that's going to make you marketable. There's only so
1: many Sumerian pottery experts that are needed on this planet, which I mean, I get Sumerian How pottery is probably pretty cool. I'll have to go I, I Google it, right? Yeah. So, but get competent in your industry, your field. Not just at what you do day to day, but where the trends are, who the thought leaders are, not people who just say they're thought leaders on LinkedIn, (laughs) but the people who are actual thought leaders, right? I'm a guru. Yeah. So be competent. That's going to be a strong foundation. The next thing you want to do is start to learn management best practices. Now you say, well, wait a minute. I don't want to ever be an executive. I just want to be an Oracle subject matter expert and sit over here and be smart or I just want to be a warrant officer that knows everything about fixing Black Hawk helicopters <laughs> and nothing about it doesn't matter, right? First, you got to be competent. Doesn't matter what role. Nobody wants to be a numbskull at what they do. And then the management best practices are going to help you help struggling managers. If you are a subject matter expertise, nothing's more frustrating than having everybody else's team being poorly run. So you can coach others. But if you learn those practices, That's another level of competence that you are going to, it's like a warm jacket in
0: winter. You can just put it on, you feel okay, right? Right. And to your point of, you know, you don't have to be someone who's in charge of a whole bunch of things in order to benefit from learning some management best practices. These things can help you just manage yourself, manage your own life, manage your career, all of those different types of things. So it's important Another thing we've talked about is, you know, get out there and, and speak on some topics that you where you can build your reputation, write things that people want to read that you're actually contributing to the knowledge about in a certain area. Those types of behaviors and those types of activities can help you in your journey towards developing your own expertise, your own domain of knowledge. And that can be very helpful when you need to have that executive presence. You have the gravitas that people can take you seriously that you know what you're talking about. That's going to go a long way and can probably cover, you know, maybe your your sloppy dressing habits if if you have those. Uh, So keep that in mind. It's like the modern dating world, right? And I don't know much because I I dated,
1: but, you know, I hear about it, right? (laughs) And so it's like. So if you download that Tinder app, right? You swipe left (laughs) for no, swipe right for yes. Is that how it works? What what are you going to do? Are you going to just, you pull up the app and you only are going to swipe right on two people, right? We know we're humans. We know we make mistakes. We know that that's part of it. And yet somehow um, the magical person's going to be able to think or uh, will their self through few at-bats. No, the execs that I know that are fully operational Death Star, the reason they are is they have a million at-bats and a million strikeouts. Mm -hmm. You just have to have so many at-bats that you get good fast. Going out and speaking, being involved, these build your social reputations. Writing in publications So even if somebody's like, oh, that person was horrible, you whiff, you get fired, it doesn't matter. You got so many other bats, you get back on the horse, different org, different job, different org, different job, and then you're good to go, right? If you couple that with this, pay attention to the people that are where you want to be, like you said earlier, Ben. Yeah. And once you do all this stuff right, you're comfortable because you've had a million strikeouts, There's not too many situations that are novel to you at this point, Um, going and closing business for the first time, walking through. I've done so many job and consulting interviews that I can see when the person across the tables may be struggling and then I help them along and give them answers to questions they didn't even know they should be asking. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to that level of comfort. It's chill then. Right. At that point, people will find you. You'll have met. Thousands and thousands of people, they will come find you. Hey, I heard Ben Barron uh, just got off an executive gig. It wasn't a fit. We could use them over here. Or Fred, aren't you looking? Ben Barron's going to be available in like two months. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of side of the game you want to be on. But it's going to take a lot of work to get there.
0: Yeah. Just to clarify, I'm not available in two months, but, um, that's <laughs> right. He works I've for the Indigo of, podcast. I'm, Stop that's trying right. to poach him. <laughs> I've got all kinds of things going on, <laughs> but, um, I, I think that's a, a good point. You know, if you're building your reputation, you're building your executive presence through your career. Ideally what happens if you, whatever, you know, you decide to leave a job or you get laid off or, you know, you get, you decide, decide to leave because of just, irreconcilable differences with the values of an organization. You want to be in a situation where you can send a note out to your network and say, Hey, I'm available. And then you get flooded with opportunities. I mean, that's, uh, that's not always going to happen, but that's where, that's kind of you where head. your executive presence is bringing good stuff to you right. rather
1: than earlier in my career where I had to go out and beat the economy bloody for a paycheck, mm-hmm. you know, where you're just fighting all the time. You're terrified. It's a a economic downturn. You just had a kid, you know, you're sweating every day, drinking too much whiskey at night. You know, the. Okay, if you find yourself in that gauntlet and a lot of people are right with covid and everything. Just hold on. Focus on doing these right behaviors, be competent, learn management, best practices and get out there in public and let people, you know, see your good works
0: yeah so let's transition now to talk a little bit about leaders and the organization with regard to executive presence and i think one thing on the leaders front is hey there's this great book we've talked about a number of times on this podcast which is the first 90 days check that out because even if you have this awesome presence and stuff you're not going to be immune to just the gravity of things around you so uh it's got some great checklists it's got great advice questions to ask the people around you. So yeah, you if you can need a paint by yourself. the numbers approach, yeah. This is the book for you. It, You're like, well,
1: oh, it's so complex. You know, I need I learn more by doing it, but I, I'm in this new executive role. Nobody's here. I gotta do it now. Well you they got to, the yeah. check checklist to make it. It's like a good friend that's whispering in your ear, hey right. I'll do this next and you'll be awesome.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I used this book recently to help me with a transition into a different leadership role. And, and it's been wonderful just at least to spend the time. I spent a good, you know, four to eight hours um, just thinking about and planning how I was going to approach the job. And before I got into it, which was awesome. And that really started to at least give me a roadmap for how I wanted to approach things. It gave me the confidence to to execute on it. Okay. So what else about leaders and organizations? I think the first thing here is, you know, be careful with your snap judgments and those implicit leadership theories. If someone comes into your organization and maybe they don't have they don't exactly meet what you had in mind, especially in terms of how they look or maybe how they talk. um, Wait a minute. Right. See if they have the intellect, the expertise. Um, You don't want them. You don't want to only just be hiring people and bringing people into your organization as executives who are clones of yourself or fit some. Um, you know, some preconceived notion that you have about what this is going to look like. Ben, because people miss us
1: all the time. And I know we talked about this earlier in the episode. Define implicit leadership theories.
0: Yeah. So those implicit leadership theories, again, are those uh, preconceived notions that we have about what leader effectiveness looks like, you know, we uh, about how a leader acts. This is what leaders do. This is how they look. And unfortunately, because of just nature's um, molding of our minds through our different experiences, you know, we have these different ideas, but the problem is that they're not always correct. Maybe you're in a different situation where appropriate leadership is someone who is quiet, who listens, who thinks and analyzes and then executes. And if you're only thinking that leaders are people who are decisive and know stuff, well, you're probably going to pass up that diamond in the rough. So be careful. Yeah. And I think about this stuff,
1: like, dynasty leadership and power oh that's jeff bezos's son or something or the kennedys he's a kennedy i am sorry guys having somebody for your dad (laughs) does not preclude you from first being competent still learning management best practices there's this well he comes from such an established
0: dynasty of
1: yes or Or
0: I remember- I mean, it's almost, it's like the divine right of kings, right? (laughs) Well, that's exactly where it's going to
1: go. And it's like, can you believe, and I don't follow royal stuff, but one of the royals married a commoner. Like, can you believe he married a commoner? You're like, wow, her family like earned their money. (laughs) You guys were just born. (laughs) But we see this kind of stuff. It's like, oh, that's that executive son. Now, yes, coming, being raised in a good family, is like, that's awesome. I'd want that for everybody. But let's be honest about some of this fantasies that we take from Disney movies about how leadership or anytime implicit leadership theories come. That's one is like dynasties matter. They don't. You still got to evaluate people one on one.
0: Yeah. So seek that competence first. Um I think another piece here is that leaders and organizations should mentor other people. Look for those people who maybe have some great potential and provide them with that mentoring, that career advancement advice, as well as what we call psychosocial mentoring. How do you fit into the organization around here? What are the ways to build your own gravitas and your own reputation? Put them in positions where they can have some more visibility. I remember very early on for me, just being able to tag along to certain meetings was cool. And it was, I appreciated it because you get to hear different conversations. You get to see how other senior people um, interact with each other. You get a broader awareness of what's going on. And like, there was this idea of kind of being sponsored by somebody. It's like, you know, the senior leader brings you around and says, Hey, this is Ben, and here's some cool things that he does. He's a great to, asset to our team. Starting to introduce you to the broader organization and building that credibility early on. So do that for the people that really deserve it in your organization. Yeah. And as an individual, get good at
1: mentoring. Yeah. Right. So like in the army, they say, here's your team, you're assigned and you're now here's your mission. Oh, geez, sir. That's a good mission and everything. But you see the squad of numbskulls you gave me? No, <laughs> you don't get to say that. Execute and deliver no matter who you have. Mm-hmm. Right. And the people that do this well, it's like, well, if this is who I got, I need to, I need to do some sprucing up around here. I need to make sure my junior leaders understand management best practices. I've got it. And then a way for yourself, like right in college, this is how I would study is I would write the reviews for people for the test. And I'd hold a review session because I knew if I could teach it, I knew the material myself. And that was mm-hmm. a good way to get it in mentoring and teaching junior talent. If you're a leader, is an excellent way for you to make sure, gee, have I really thought yeah. At through these elements of what best practice management is? Is my thinking evidence-based or is it just imitating the behavior of the leader that brought me up? All and right, if you're so, an HR, L&D
0: person, can you distill that into a system that other people can then st- teach that system? Well, and so what you're suggesting there, and I totally agree, and I, the research does support this, is that there are benefits for mentors to doing mentoring. So it's not just the proteges that are getting all the benefit. There are benefits to the mentors. So keep that in mind. You know, another piece here for leaders is communication skills are absolutely important. Develop them. They can they can atrophy if you don't use them, you know, so get out there, do the speaking, do the writing, get better at it, get feedback. And including this in your leader development programs as an organization certainly can be helpful so that people can develop that executive presence and get that real feedback. I remember some of the best um, classes that I took in in college. So I was a double major in political science and communications studies. And in my communications track, I I kind of focused on, we had different areas we could focus on. Mine was rhetoric and performance studies. And so... um, You know, I took classes, several different classes. Did you like watch the Hitler speeches and stuff like that? No, no, we didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't didn't do
1: that. Because they always talk about that in the documentary. Look at how he's doing the magician hands. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, but we
0: did. I had several public speaking classes where every single, um, you know, talk that we gave in class was videotaped and then we would watch it later. Um, and give ourselves, you know, we could critique ourselves and see what we're doing. I took a broadcast performance class where we had a teleprompter and did stuff. And I learned about how you can manipulate your eyebrows to make different points. Anyway, um, cool stuff there, right? But I think getting that feedback is really important and helpful. And these are skills that can be developed. That's my main point here. I think another piece here that we got to mention is that this idea of executive presence, especially those superficial components about how people look, about how maybe they communicate, what their voice sounds like, these can definitely reinforce some of your biases. They could per- perpetuate in your organization this homogeneity of everybody being the same. And that is, can be problematic. At the worst end of the spectrum, it could be downright discriminatory against certain people, right? So keep that in mind. You have to have a flexible, malleable mindset around this idea of executive presence, or it could lead you in the wrong direction. Right. And at the
1: end of the day, we're looking for the best talent, right? D, right. H.R., you know, thinking about dress code, employee brand. I, there's not really a perfect answer here. But if you just let it happen by accident, that is the one wrong answer. You need to have some conversations and, and treat those things with deliberate
0: uh, deliberation and care awesome so today on the indigo podcast we've talked about executive presence i don't think you can get it at costco but you could go check anyway you can get pants there though at least that's what chris does We talked about what the
1: popular... (laughs) And and apparently, if you learn how to dance your eyebrows,
0: (laughs) you can tell people on TV what you're really thinking. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) I don't know. We also talked about this popular understanding of executive presence. We talked about some of these research findings uh, about executive presence and some related concepts. And of course, we talked about some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast.